I'm Paige, the host of Reverie True Crime. I tell stories of helpless victims, vicious killers, predators watching their prey before they strike, survivors, petty crimes, people we think we know who do the unthinkable, and the dangers that lurk not only in the dead of night, but in plain sight and the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll also tell stories of the frightening paranormal, elusive cryptids, haunted locations, and conspiracies that may be silly or thought-provoking. You can listen to Reverie True Crime wherever you're listening to this podcast. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Reverie Crime Pod. Facebook, Instagram, and even Tumblr at Reverie True Crime. Remember, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings at all times, and take care. More often than not, we only learn one side of history, and some stories go unlearned and maybe even forgotten. Today, we bring you the tale of the Soldaderas, women who fought during the Mexican Revolution, and the story of the St. Patrick's Battalion, a group of Irish men who sided with Mexico during the Mexican-American War. And of course, this episode includes a trigger warning as horrible things happen during war, including rape and a lot of death. Listen with caution. Stories, folklore, legends, Leyendas, cuentos, y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen, at your own risk. Hi everyone, this is Christina. And this is MJ. And this is another episode of A Spooky Tales, the podcast where we tell you about spooky stories from Latin America. But today, we're going to be talking about history. So we're now a history podcast. We're we're everything podcast. As long as it has to do with Latin America. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, and the reason we're doing this is because, like I mentioned last episode, Women's History Month, we're going to be covering women in Latin America. And then... It's also going to be St. Patrick's Day, the day after we release this, right? It's it's on the seventeenth, the day before, I think. Who makes St. Patrick's Day on a Thursday? Wow! Yeah, it just always lands on seventeenth, I think. Yeah. Okay, so the day before, so the next day, yeah. we would release this. So yeah, and for that reason, I'm just going to be telling us about the. What was the name of the, uh, I guess the Irish battalion that helped during, helped Mexico during the Mexican-American War, right? Yes. Which a lot of people don't even know about. And I didn't know until last year. I was like, what? I Yeah, I only learned about them last year on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what, why aren't we taught this? Like, Yeah. Because we do go over, I mean, we go over, like, the American side of the Mexican And, and war, even then, so. it's very little. Like, it's like a chapter, if that. 
It, it's like it's like a line in a, on a textbook. It, it really is because I don't remember much of the uh, Mexican American War in history. It's like, oh, this happened. Okay, now let's go on to the Civil War. And it's like, wait, what? Can can we backtrack? Like, what do you mean? When was the Civil War? I thought the Civil War was first. No, this the Mexican American War was before the Civil War, and then the Civil War was like like ten years after. So it was like um, because it happened around the same what? time. When was the Mexican American War? Eighteen forty-eight, eighteen forty-six to eighteen forty-eight. Oh, I see. Okay, and the the American Civil War was eighteen sixty-one. Yeah, to yeah. So it happened. Uh, okay, and the Mexican Revolution is in nineteen ten. Yeah, so it's a lot of historical like revolutions happening at this time and chaos and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no no spooky story today because we're not talking about spooky things. I will be talking about Las Soldaderas, the women who fought during the Mexican Revolution. And I've I learned that it is the same as Las Adelitas. They were just called Las Adelitas later mm. after like the song, the ballad of Las Adelitas came out. Oh. But it's the same term, Soldaderas, except Soldaderas Adelitas is like a cute name for them. <laughs> it is a really like a like a little like cutesy name, like a pet name almost, almost to lessen their role during the war. You could say that too. So yeah, I will be I will be going first, and then MJ will be telling us about the Irish Army, not Irish Army, Irish during the Mexican American War. Or should you go first, since yours takes place first? I don't know. Uh, do you want me to go first? I can. It's up to you. Yeah, I just thought about this chronologically, and I think that makes more sense. <laughs> okay, um, let's do that. Okay, so since St. Patrick's Day is celebrated on the 17th of this month, the last thing I want to do is talk about leprechauns. <laughs> they scare me. <laughs> also, for most, for the most part, like leprechauns are an American, uh, an American thing. They don't really celebrate or really care for them in Ireland. It's like purely an american thing and for some reason it's huh. like leprechauns everywhere it's like yo just just stop thanks <laughs> <laughs> but for those who do follow me on my socials i'm very proud of myself because i crocheted a leprechaun amigarumi for my daughter's project and nailed it it's really cute yeah his name is canelito he's irish but he moved to mexico and married a duendecita and there he got the nickname Canelito. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I love that you made a you created a story for your crocheted. Yeah, from for my daughter's leprechaun. little thing. Cause she was like, Oh, where's he from? I was like, he's from there, but you know, he's he's now with us, a Mexican Mexasian family. Um, but on to real history. Uh the Mexican American War began in eighteen forty six and ended in eighteen forty eight. Uh, the United States invaded Mexico, seizing one-third of Mexico's territory at the time. That is a lot of land. Yeah. It's what what is today California, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, parts of Colorado, and Wyoming. Though many history books may whitewash the intent behind the invasion, fact of the matter is the United States declared war so they could expand slavery to those areas making slavery legal. Slave owners would send settlers and enslaved people to Mexico in, a, in an attempt to expand their territory. However, 
Slavery was outlawed in Mexico in 1837, making the United States human trafficking and enslavement illegal in Mexico territory. So, for some historical context, many enslaved people would escape to Mexico for freedom. The United States would ask Mexico for the enslaved people back, and Mexico would be like, no, F you, they are free here. This created a huge problem for the enslavers. Slavery was illegal in Mexico, and on top of that, Mexico would not send escaped enslaved people back to the United States. The entire Mexican-American War was created by slave owners so they could exploit other humans. In doing so, they invaded another country, stole land, and continued their tyranny that hurt Mexicans and their own citizens. To many, the United States history books paint this as a fight for freedom. Was it really painted like that? Like, what What was the freedom? What freedom were who? I don't know. I don't I don't get it. How <laughs> how could it be painted as freedom? Like freedom. The United States painted this as freedom for the United States from freedom of the state. I don't I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like they said, it's freedom. You know how like people here, it's like it's for freedom. It's for it's like, what do you mean? What kind of freedom? Like, but they never like explained. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I, I get it. Um, Mexican, Mexico's unwillingness to recognize Texas independence and the, and Texans desired statehood. I am curious yeah. to see, or I, I've never looked into it, but how many, how many Texans really wanted statehood versus who didn't? From like, what I know, majority of Texans didn't want to be part of the United States. Like, it's even a thing now that a lot of, um, like Texas always has that thing where they want to be like independent from the United States. They want um that's like that's like always been a thing, and like I I've heard of that a lot. So if I also feel like it's something that's been going on since this time. So I think I think it was like American settlers in Texas wanting freedom for Mexico, but not the not the people that were already there. Yeah. It's like and and they did a lot of stuff for like the 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 Mexican people who were still in these stolen um states is what I'm going to call it. A lot of them, a lot of their land, by the way, that these uh Mexican owners had had were seized by American, by white Americans. And there's so many stories where um, the United States government took the land from Mexicans living in, in Texas and Arizona and stuff. It was, it's really, you know, disgusting. And yeah, they just, they just took it. And they were like, Are, we won the war. It's ours now. Even though like a family had been on there for generations and generations and they never got any, any, you know, like, I don't know, just they got nothing. So, uh, like, again, I, to many, the United States history books paint this as a fight for freedom. You know, it's like, oh, they were doing something noble. But to the Irish immigrants, it was an imperialist nation seizing land, homes, taking the lives of people who did not have the same means to defend themselves. It was a mirror on what the British had done to Ireland. They knew what the people of Mexico were going through and... Many Irish immigrants deserted the United States Army in a fight against injustice and a fight against slavery. In 1846, they formed Batallón de San Patricio, St. Patrick's Battalion. This battalion consisted of 175 men. Some accounts say more, like 200 men or more. 
Uh, it was consisted of European immigrants or foreigners, mostly of Irish background, who fought for Mexico against the tyranny of the United States. That sounds awfully familiar. Russia, is that you? <laughs> oh, wait, that's not Russia. That's the United States. Burn. Anyways. Well, I'll stop with the ranting. Um, the Batallón de San Patricio was founded and led by John Riley, who was known as John Patrick O'Reilly. His Irish name was Sean O'Rahalig. Oh, is that really how you say that? I was wondering <laughs> how you pronounce that. And I was, it's either Rahalig or Rahalig. And for all the people who are Irish or Irish descent who are listening to this, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. Uh, but I'm not making any promises because I probably wouldn't get it eventually. I'll try to get it eventually. Yeah. But John was from County Gal Galway, and he was an Irish soldier in the British Army who then immigrated to Canada and then the United States and joined the United States Army. But during the Mexican-American War, he defected to Mexico to fight against the United States. While in the British Army, he learned the skill of advanced artillery. He used those skills in the fight against the United States. Connemara, his home, was the area that was worst hit by the Great Famine. And for background, the British let the Irish starve, and many Irish were forced to immigrate to survive. So from the little research I did, basically they had all this food, you know, and they were like exporting stuff from Ireland, but the Irish were not allowed to feed their people. So it was like, you know, they had the, you know, the potatoes got that like disease. The, the British were just like, yeah, well, too bad. We're not going to feed you. We know you're starving, but you guys can die. Yeah. On brand for the British, because, like... But uh, they fought under a green flag with the words Erin Cobra, which means Irlanda para siempre, or Ireland forever in English. Oh, okay. I also probably butchered that, and I, again, apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the majority of the battalion was Irish, there were also German, Poles, Canadians, Swiss, English, Scots, Spaniards, Mexicans, Italians, French, and escaped enslaved people. So there were a few um, people, like disenfranchised people, who were like, we're joining you because what's going on isn't right. Wow. Yeah, it was like literally like probably a, a lot of people, a lot of uh, different background people coming together. And doing their mm -hmm. best to 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 stop this, but the uh, Mexican American War was a very unpopular war. Many people spoke against it, including Abraham Lincoln. And the Mexican American War was the precursor to the Civil War. The same problems with this war led to the Civil War. Ulysses S. Grant said it was one of the most unjust wars ever waged. He also went on to say. I do not think that there was ever a more wicked war than that waged by the United States on Mexico. I thought so at the time, yet I lacked the moral courage to resign. And Henry David Thoreau, a slavery abolitionist, refused to pay war tax during the Mexican-American War. He was arrested for refusing to help fund the war and spent a night in jail. And with that, I say you go, Henry. Bravo. Wow. Bravo. Round of applause. James Knox Polk was president at the time. He's in the hot place now. 
He better be. And as Cardi B once said, I wish you well in hell. Burn in hell. I think those are like the best words she's <laughs> ever spoken. I love that you quoted her. <laughs> there is nothing better to say than to say that. Because honestly, I hope he does burn in hell. Yeah. If there is the hot place and it does exist, he better be there. Or else I'm going to like file yeah. some complaints. <laughs> <laughs> And there is an amazing YouTuber who goes by the name History Guy. And though I think his breakdown as to why history classes in high school and college do not really go over the Mexican-American War, I think his view is noble. However, fact of the matter is, um, this war was for the expansion of slavery. It's a huge stain on the United States history. And you could already see like the tension that led to the Civil War and it's not talked about and should be connected with the study of the Civil War. The Mexican-American War was a piece of that puzzle. But it's not in the history books. History writers, I should say, are whitewashing it and omitting truths from the study of American history because it shows that you that the United States is a bad guy. And, you know, you can't have that in schools. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, did you... I'm sure you did, but did you watch Recess? Yes. Okay, and Ms. Gr- uh, Grotsky, is that, I don't know how to... Yeah, the teacher? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. At one point, she's like, <laughs> be wary of the textbook because it's from the point of view of white men. <laughs> Something like that, she said. She's not wrong. That is so true because what, what were we talking? Like, somebody posted something on Twitter, and this was like a few weeks ago. And I was like, half the stuff that we were taught in in school like in high school and middle school or whatever has all been bullshit and like the context of yeah, the events it's all, have it's all wrong like the thanksgiving thing i'm like oh but what oh my why God. why yeah. weren't we told about like the the slaughter and the massacre of the indigenous people that happened afterwards oh but like they sang yeah, kumbaya I mean, and hold World hands War two mm-hmm like in our ufo episode is when i discovered that people were deported from latin america to put them in the camps that I thought only Asian people were in same, in the United same, States. Same, like, same. And I didn't even know that they were like, hey, bring them over here. I had no idea that South America ever deported to the United States. Like, when you told Latin me that, America, I was like... just South America. Well, I know. Uh, but countries. Like, oh, yeah. my God. It's just, it's insane. It's insane. And I, yeah. they don't teach us this. And no. and and then when 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 you have people like I don't know why they don't tell us this it's like I wonder why oh, I okay. wonder have you, why I don't watch King of the Hill but I did randomly watch this episode years ago but Bobby at one point he's like he raises his hand after learning some horrible thing and he's like he raises his hand and he's like are you sure because I'm I'm from the white people I'm white and I've never heard of this like <laughs> <laughs> oh yes I know which episode you're talking about but that's literally has been ever since like you know we graduated and stuff my entire life is like what that's the real history yeah, behind this Yeah I had a black event? uh professor for US history in college like my first class mm-hmm. and wow that shit opened my eyes the assigned book was the people's history I think it's called Hold Ooh on. I will look that up A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn Oh I I will definitely add that to the list because honestly I I just it's it's actually kind of scary and horrifying if you think about it like how much um stuff is redacted from our history books and how much as yeah. 
children and you know teenagers yeah and, stuff and like not this taught. is how we're taught why are why are people even like we can't let critical race theory be taught in schools and it's like what do you mean first of all it's not being taught we're already being taught lies about mm-hmm. history so um and it's critical like- race theory is a it's a whole different thing you can't teach it in to elementary school teachers what you can teach them is about race and you know <laughs> Yeah, and it's the like, real side of history. And it's like, why are you so afraid of real history? Why are you so afraid of of the facts of history and what happened in this country? Why? Why are you scared? Yeah, answer it. Like exactly, they they, they start like sweating. Like oh, I don't know. It's like you know exactly why. It makes you look bad. Yeah, like it makes you look bad. Like stop it. You know why? And anyways, so like I was a little bit angry researching this. Clearly. <laughs> So Irish immigrants had to deal with abuse from the British Protestants for being Catholic. The United States at the time had an anti-Catholic and anti-foreigner view. So when they immigrated to America, they also faced discrimination for being Catholic. They were not allowed to practice. It makes sense that they were sympathized with the Mexican. Yeah. And yeah, like they weren't allowed to practice their faith. They were forced to go to um protestant services so they couldn't even like practice their own thing they were forced to go to another religion you know services and mass and stuff you know and which i find ironic because um you know the founding fathers were all like for religious freedom it's like well that's a lie that's a lie it is to this day (laughs) to this day yes to this day There are some accounts where Irish and other Catholics witnessed disgusting behavior by the United States towards clergy members. They would rape nuns and and kill priests. Oh my god! Yeah, and and like this happened like almost like out in the open. Like uh, Mexicans would see this. Um, You know, Irish people would see it. Was it wasn't like anything that they kept hidden. They did this, and people knew about it. They burnt down churches too. It was it was a lot, um, and like I said, the version wow. we get in school is very very watered down, and a lot of the real history is omitted. And this is just like um, a very brief condensation of events that happened. But it seems to me like um, there was a lot of like really disgusting, like human, uh, what's it called, right rights violations going on. Like it was, it was disgusting. Yeah. So John Riley, yeah, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah. John Riley and several other members of the Batallón de San Patricio deserted the American army before the war began, and this little tidbit will be important later. The Mexican army was not well trained, and it was very badly led. It was a hot mess. Uh. The San Patricios fought for Mexico in the first battle of the war during the siege of Fort Texas. They were not recognized as a battalion of the Mexican army until the Battle of Monterey. They were one of the best battalions of the Mexican army. They held their own, and then some. They pushed back the American army from Monterey. However, Mexico's leadership was disorganized, and even with the efforts of Los San Patricios, Mexico still decided to retreat. Damn. Yeah. In the Battle of Buena Vista, they delivered a huge blow to the United States Army. 
the United States suffered many casualties. As the war dragged on, many continued to desert the United States and join Los San Patricios. However, their efforts could not defeat the imperialist army. In the Battle of Churubusco, in 1847, the San Patricios held the town center, but as the Mexican army ran out of ammunition, Mexican officers tried to raise the white flag, and on two occasions, the San Patricios shot a Mexican officer trying to surrender. Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you ain't surrendering. Like, you... <laughs> Bitch, what? Boom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And, you know, not all the San Patricios had the option to surrender. Some of them had deserted the army during the war. And if captured, they would be charged with treason and they would be tortured and killed. Like, this was not oh, an option true. for them. In the battle, 85 of the San Patricios were captured. Two-thirds of the battalion were killed or captured. It was a huge blow to the San, Pat to the San Patricios and to Mexico. Another 85 escaped with the Mexican army. Those that were captured faced trial. Fifty San Patricios were hanged between September 10th and 13th, 1948. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a lot. The San Patricios that had left the United States Army before war was declared did not face the death penalty, one of those being John Riley. He was charged with simple desertion, while those who were hanged were charged with desertion and joining the enemy. Even then, those who were just charged with desertion were tortured. They were whipped 50 times and branded with a D on their face. What is crazy to me is many wow. of them were not even citizens, but because they had signed up for the army, um, they were charged with crazy shit. Wow. Yeah. One of the reasons many also joined the Mexican army is because Mexico would give them citizenship and they paid better. And as people who were fleeing from poverty and abuse, this was a pathway to a new home and a stable life. Mexico also offered land grants, and in Mexico they would be allowed to practice their faith. Many of them were anti-slavery, and they were able to live in a country where it was illegal. The San Patricios, who were still in custody in the, of the United States, John Riley included, were returned to Mexico, and Mexico delivered on their promise— John Riley then served many years as an officer in the Mexican army. The United States may view them as traitors, but in reality, they were the only Americans who had the guts to do what was morally right and fight against slavery and oppression. They should be exonerated because the United States at the time were the bad guys. John Riley should be remembered as a hero. The United States' behavior was disgusting, and as I said before, Every single one of the San Patricios should be exonerated. The United States needs to hold its history accountable. They deserve to be remembered as heroes. And one thing I don't understand is why the United States remembers these disgusting racist slave owners with statues and calls them heroes, but not the San Patricios. Um, I mean... I think we all know why. I mean, I, I know. We to know why. To uphold white but, supremacy. <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way. And they need to yeah. correct themselves. It, it needs a lot of correction. Yeah. The 1999 film, One Man's Hero, tells the story of the Batallon de San Patricio. There's also a song by David Rovix, St. Patrick's Battalion, which is also about Los San Patricios. And um, little tidbit, but this was my opinion when I was like writing last night at three o'clock in the morning. 
I was like, man, there seems to be a musical where John Riley sings to the United States the Big Sean song, I Don't Fuck With You. You know, a little remix, you know, to make <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> and big thank you to Brian. I am going to have a terrible time pronouncing this name. <laughs> Ushian and Darak for helping me with the Irish pronunciations, which I am sure I butchered. And I'm sure I butchered y'all's name. And I am so sorry. So terribly sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did you um, by any chance look up the song and like listen to it? Yes, I did. I think I sent it to you on... What? I don't remember. Well, it's, I didn't listen to it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I want to say like Irish folk music, but it's really nice. And it's, it's. Does it sound like a sea shanty? Uh, so, so. Like pirate songs? <laughs> I could see it on like a, a, a pirate ship. Yeah. So I would, I would think so. But. Um, I need to look the song up. <laughs> but anyways, you guys, uh, we probably won't be able to post, post this up on the, um the podcast you guys should totally youtube search it yeah i shall be doing that um uh, but yeah i had no idea that there was yeah even that this battalion existed up until like a mm-hmm. year ago that's crazy yeah same um and i had no idea how like the disgusting ass reason the mexican-american war even happened like i was just told it happened they fought the United States took it a lot of land. happened because Texas wanted independence. Or they used that as an excuse. Well, Texas did want independence, but it was other American settlers, not people that were indigenous to Texas. Are you, are you done with your, your notes? Yes, I am done. That is, that is it. Unfortunately, the San Patricios, you know, even they couldn't, you know, hold off the uh, United States Army. So they're... Mm-hmm. Their end was not, not a good one, not a happy ending. Yeah, hmm. what a shame. Mm-hmm. So yes, I will be talking about las Adelitas, or I'm gonna be calling them soldaderas because that's just what I put in my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it better. And I had no idea about them up until also probably like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, These are women that fought during the Mexican Revolution, and they were vital to the Mm -hmm. victory, and their efforts, their war efforts, are very minimized and erased. I think now they're just, like, starting to get recognition. So to backtrack a little bit, the Mexican Revolution began with a call to arms to overthrow Porfirio Diaz. Mm-hmm. He was a dictator and he ruled with an iron fist. He had a goal of making Mexico economically powerful. Capitalism rose under him. Flourished, one could say. <laughs> uh, Mexico was becoming more modernized, but the rural... rural oh my god, I hate that word. The rural community... <laughs> rural? rural? Now I can't say it. The R- farm, r- The farm areas... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say this word. Uh, the ru- I can't what say else? it either. The rural community... <laughs> we're just going to go with it. I'm going to pretend that I'm saying it right. The rural communities uh, were struggling, as were the poor. Porfirio Diaz bullied and intimidated citizens, and he also stole land. Uh, in order to appease mm-hmm. the United States and foreign interests, he took land that belonged to Mexicans. 
especially indigenous people, and he gave it to wealthy non-nationals. And indigenous communities, this is how they made their money off their land. They were mm-hmm. a lot of the farmers. And so then they had no way of living when he was here taking their land to give to already rich people to appease foreign interests. Ew. And uh, so just just another example of how horrible Porfirio Diaz was. He allowed American mine owners to pay Mexican workers less than their American counterparts in the same mine. Wow. I had no idea. So this led to a strike and Porfirio Diaz allowed the U.S. Army to go into Mexico and put an end to the strike. And this <gasps> resulted in the death of 20 Mexicans. What? Yeah. This is called, this is the Cananea labor strike, if you want to mm, look up more mm-hmm. info on it. And under Porfirio Diaz, women were not considered citizens. <gasps> They were not Mexican citizens. They could not enter contracts. They could not own or sell property. They could not hold certain professions like lawyers and teachers. Wow. Yeah. So women were not citizens. So I think that probably played a role into so many women wanting to join the call to arms against him. I mean, honestly, if I had a time machine, I'd be like, yes, girl, let's do this. Would I be screaming half of the time? Yes, I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd do my best. (laughs) Um, Some women were forced by their husbands to follow them into battle. Others followed their loved men into battle um, out of their own will. So they joined a brother, a father, a husband and fought with them. Other soldaderas just joined of their own will, um, not under a man or anything. Um, It's been more than 100 years since the revolution, and the soldaderas have yet to receive official recognition for their role in the war. And they did various things. Uh, They were soldiers, they were cooks, spies, companions, mothers. Many men paid women to act as servants during the war, so the women cooked, cleaned, cared for the wounded, they purchased supplies, they buried the dead some were sex workers others like i already said they they followed loved ones onto the battlefield and others became generals and colonels mm-hmm. sadly as with most wars a lot of women were forcibly taken by both sides of the war and you know horrible things were done to them mothers would hide their daughters to prevent this from happening because this was a thing as well Emiliano Zapata and Venustanio Carranza, they both welcomed women into their ranks. Pancho Villa did not. He did not want women to fight in his ranks. He thought women were a liability. There are some counts or sources of him. Like, there was, there's one instance where he believed a woman, like, snitched on him to the federal army and he killed 90 women and children in this, like, little town. So, Is that piece of shit? Like, I know he's a hero, but um, again, duality. <laughs> some people are horrible, even though they did things for their country. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea about that. That's... Mm. Anyways, continue. We're going to rant over here. <laughs> yeah, and so he, he didn't want women in his ranks. He also had a lot of wives. Like <laughs> He would get to like one town and fall in love and marry a woman but one woman was like his like one of his first wives and she 
worked with him in his war efforts and she's like the only one that he allowed to do this but to him women were shouldn't have been in in the war and he ew. didn't recognize any of the their war efforts either ew yeah so some as young as 12 or 13 followed their parents into war other soldaderas joined after something horrible happened like to a family member and you know they were doing it to avenge their um family or things like that mm-hmm. there's one instance of like there was like a lot of older women who joined to avenge their sons one such woman her name was uh la señora sanchez she joined after her brother was killed she took his place in his unit um, another woman la señora pimental she killed two guards in a federal army prison to free her son and then they they went on to join the rebel army again okay she was totally badass Right? Like, Like, damn. (laughs) Uh, A lot of the soldaderas were middle-class women, lower-class women, and indigenous women Mm -hmm. who identified with rebel causes. And especially the indigenous women because their communities were the most affected by Porfirio Diaz's dictatorship. And none of the... Because there was, like, you know, a lot of different groups that were fighting against Porfirio, Porfirio Diaz. And none of them would have been successful without women in the battlefield. When women were not in direct combat roles, they were the ones who set up camp, cooked food. They kept everything moving. Like, everything. They really did. It would have been like... These people, these men, like Pancho Villa or whatever, would not be able to function Mm -hmm. without these women at all. No, they were not. They would not have been able to do anything without these women. Many women did this while mothering their children. They packed up, joined the war, and took their kids and raised their kids there. Like, I I thought parenting during a pandemic was hard. Imagine this. Oh, dude. They, like, I could never. Like, let's just get it no. out. Like, I'd be like, I'd be waving the white flag because I could never. But the freaking, the courage... How? Like, I I don't understand their strength because I don't think I'd ever have it. And it's just, it's, it's, I'm in awe of these women, honestly. I really am. Many foreign, like, American reporters that were covering the revolution, they Mm -hmm. were in awe of these women. There was one instance where an American reporter saw women making tortillas in the middle of a desert on moving trains. Like, what? (laughs) What? I mean, that's insane to me right now, but wow. I'm telling you, I'm just going to be in awe this entire, like the entire time we're talking. I'm just going to be like, wow. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One soldadera, her name was Maria Quinteras de Mares. She was a colonel in um, Pancho Villa's army, um, but this was because she was married to a captain as well. So to him, it wasn't like she was just some random woman. He allowed it because she was married with uh, to one of his people. Their daughter accompanied them on all, like, during the entire war. They were raising her. So Maria Quintanera de Mares led her followers through many victories. And she was so good at, like, war that many believe she had supernatural powers. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, God forbid a woman actually is doing this on her own. She needed um, help from Satanás or some shit. I mean, (laughs) while that may be true, I love that she kind of instilled fear in these guys. Yeah, yeah, same. One woman I'm going to go into a little more because there was just a lot more information on her. Her name is Petra Herrera. 
So there's not a lot of information on her early life, but she, like many other women, answered the call to arms. She joined Pancho Villa's army, but she hid her identity as a woman, and she went by Pedro Herrera. And, like, you know, the movie Mulan exists, but, like, we should make a, a there should be a movie for her, like a cartoon There really should be, because that, like... Except Mulan is very whitewashed, and that's not the real story, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worth mentioning. I still, I like the movie, but it's true. I like the movie, too, <laughs> but yeah, that is true. But she, this is essentially the same story, a woman pretending to be a man to go to war. We need, like, a biopic or something. Because I am now right? so interested and invested. Yeah. So uh, so Petra Herrera blended in perfectly in order to uh, avoid questions of like, why does she never shave with the other men? She was like, I wake up earlier than all you lazy slobs and I shave way earlier than all of you. Like, no one questioned this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she She was praised for her fighting skills, bravery, courage. She was strategic, efficient, and extremely skilled at military operations. Since she was known to be an excellent soldier and well-established in the ranks of Pancho Villa's army, she thought that she could reveal her true identity and that she would be accepted, and maybe even promoted. But again, Pancho Villa did not want women in his army, and he kicked her out. <gasps> That's some bullshit. I I'm agree. I agree completely. Yeah. But this did not stop Petra. She would continue fighting for the revolution. She gathered a group of 400 women, women who had found the same fate as her, um, who were kicked out, and then other women who wanted to join the war efforts. At one point, Petra Herrera's brigade of women reached 1,000 soldaderas. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. They, uh, they fought aside men in battle. They were very successful in the battlefield. One of their most successful wins was the the taking of the city of Torreón, Coahuila, on May mm-hmm. 30th, 1914. And this victory was vital to the Mexican Revolution. This was one of uh, Porfirio Diaz's bases, like his mm-hmm. center of operations. And like taking the city shifted like the war to the rebels, like... That's how important this battle was. And and they wouldn't have been able to win it without Petra Herrera. She did that. She did that. She did, guys. yeah. So uh, Petra was the one who who did this. Um, part of her plan was to shut down all the lights in the city so Pancho Villa's forces could enter. And she exploded a lot of bridges. like So they essentially trapping Porfirio Diaz's um, armies. And th- this was all her plans. Like... Her unit fought us alongside Pancho Villas, and because of her unit, they were able to do what they did. One of Pancho Villas's people, his name was Cosme Mendoza Chavira, Chavira. He was quoted mm-hmm. saying, "Ella fue quien tomó Torreón y apagó las luces cuando entraron en la ciudad," which means she was the one who took Torreón and turned out the lights when they entered the city, Ad- admitting that it was thanks to her that this battle was won. That is amazing. Right? After her success in this battle, Petra Herrera asked to be reinstated into the military, but her request was denied. Instead, she was promoted to colonel and her unit of soldaderas was disbanded. What? Yes. Um, And this was under Pancho Villa because, again, (laughs) he didn't want women fighting. (laughs) Ugh. 
This did not stop her from wanting to continue the fight. So then she went and joined uh, another leader in the revolution, Venustiano Carranza, and he was much more welcoming of the soldaderas. And uh, under him, she became a spy. And one of her missions as a spy, she was undercover in uh, Jimenez, Chihuahua, as a bartender. Some sources say that it was Ciudad Juarez, not Ciudad, or not Jimenez. But sadly, during this, she was shot by three drunk men and later died. Ugh, of course. So she never got to see the results of what she was fighting for, which, I mean... Some things changed. <laughs> Some. Yeah. Hmm. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, some believe the song La Adelita was written about Petra, but others believe it was written about a different soldadera, Adela Velardo Perez. Adela was the daughter of a wealthy man from Ciudad Juarez, and from a young age, she showed interest in medicine. Around 13 or 14 sources, some sources say 13, others say 14. She ran away and she joined La Cruz, La Cruz Blanca, the White Cross. And this was like, I don't know, I think it's like their version of the, the Red Cross. Mm. Um, she was said to be friendly, bold, brave, and incredibly smart. She left against her father's wishes and she became a nurse in the White Cross. She was in the front lines of the war along with other women treating the wounded and engaging in combat. She met her husband during the war and he and they had a son together and again they raised him in during the war like in the mm-hmm. war. Sadly her husband did pass away at, in another battle. Aww. After the war she lived in Ciudad Juarez and she, along with other soldaderas, were not recognized as veterans. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She worked as a typist. Can you imagine that? Like, she had such an important, like, role in the war. And then, then she she couldn't even receive a, a pension from the war as a veteran. And she worked as a typist. You know, every time we cover, like, history from Mexico, I always end up angry. Always. Because of the way they treat women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so later she moved to Texas, and that is where she is now buried. Uh, it wasn't until 1962 that she was recognized as a veteran and received a pension. And she died in 1971. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So at some point she was recognized way too yeah, late. Yeah, way too way late. Way too late, but it happened. A sergeant named Antonio del Rio wrote the song La Adelita in dedication to her. Uh, he was in love with her, but he died in battle before he could even, you know, tell her or whatever. Uh, sadly, the song, along with other songs, another one called La Valentina, they paint Las Adelitas as sex objects, objects of beauty, without giving them credit for their work in the war. Mexican media would go on to do the same thing when they had movies about Las Soldaderas. That is true. They were either these, yeah, so they were either these, like, very sexy women or they were bad. Yeah, yeah, and that is so true because um, growing up, when I saw artwork of uh, Adelitas or Soldaderas, they would be very sexually uh, drawn or painted and, like, 
Yes. With with the mm-hmm. the what were those called? Like the belts with the bullets, and it was very like like yes, um, bandoliers. It was very risque, very sexualized. Yeah. That is true. Not mm-hmm. real. Mm. Okay, so other notable women in the revolution that I couldn't find as much information about them as uh, Petra Herrera, but still worth mentioning. So one woman, her name was Carmen Vélez. Mm-hmm. So she was known as La Generala, the general. Mm-hmm. I guess the woman general. Cause it's, yeah, it's like a female version of general. Mm-hmm. Uh, she commanded nearly 300 men, and they fought in the states of Hidalgo and Tlaxcala. Another woman, and I love how many how many of these women have the name Carmen because it was like a more common name. Like that's my grandma's name, and you know Carmen. That's my that's my Daytona. grandma's name too. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, <laughs> I always told Carmen that if I had a daughter, her name would have been Carmen, and she was like, "Don't do that to her." And I was like, "Carmen, that's I, a great I like name. the name Carmen. I I do." Sadly, growing up, we would make fun of her, and it didn't make any sense at all. But like. We would take car and then just put random things at the end of it, like car box. I don't know why we called her car box, like for no reason. Um, that was the main one. But anything that was like, like if we passed by a door, like car door, car box, and she would get so mad. <laughs> it made zero sense. But yeah, um, beautiful name. <laughs> uh, so another woman, her name was Carmen Cerdan. She became prominent for her ability to procure supplies for troops. She was the daughter of a lawyer and her family, all of them, they were what they call maderistas. So people who supported the revolution, but on the side of, uh, I forget his first name, but Madera, Mm -hmm. another leader in the revolution. For this reason, her family home was attacked by the federal army. Uh, by the army of Porfirio Diaz. And the family was taken into custody. She was wounded but survived. And later, disguised under the name Marcos Serrato, she used like a code language Mm -hmm. with her brother. And through newspapers, they coordinated supply runs for revolutionaries. I am like literally in awe of these women. Like, Right? Wow. <laughs> Another woman, her name was Angela Jimenez. She was the daughter of a Zapotec woman and a Spanish man. And in 1911, a trigger warning for this story specifically for rape. So in 1911, federal so- soldiers invaded her home and attempted to rape her sister. <gasps> her sister killed the soldier, but later she died of suicide because she couldn't bear what what happened. Like she just couldn't. Couldn't cope with it is the reason they gave. Um, so so she died by suicide. Angela then swore to seek revenge. And she was like, I'm going to kill as many federal soldiers as I can. And she joined the revolution. She fought alongside her father under the name Angel Jimenez. And she became an expert in explosives. That is so badass. Right? Uh, she reached the rank of lieutenant, and by then, it was known that she was a woman. She wasn't hiding it anymore. After being wounded, she left the army, and she moved to Texas, and then California. And in California, she created an organization called Veterans of the Revolution for other veterans of the Mexican Revolution. Because there was a lot. And she became a defender of Chicano rights. That is amazing. 
right? She fought one war and then she joined another cause. That is amazing. I I have no idea about this history and, and, you know, grew up in California, went to California public schools. I never heard about her. Come on. We didn't even learn about Chicano. That is true. Struggle. That is true. We barely like. Like I rem in our school we did learn about the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. um, and then they contributed the Black Panther movement. Then com- contributed to the Chicano mm-hmm. movement, but it was like so it was barely touched upon it. And and I think the only reason that they touched on it is because we lived in Oakland, and like how can they not talk about the Black Panthers in Oakland, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's like not really talked about. I I want to say the Chicano movement I learned about a little bit later. Um, and again, every like it has its problems mm-hmm. too. But I mean, they were fighting for you know Mexican American rights too. And and she she fought in the revolution. Then she went and was like still signing up for Mexicans in in the United States. And that's just inspirational. One more. Uh, I have one more woman here. Uh, Elisa Griensen Zambrano. She was a young woman from Parral, Chihuahua. At only 12 years old, she was a strong believer in Villa, Pancho Villa. And she really believed, she had a strong opposition to American forces in Mexico. So American forces were attempting to capture Pancho Villa. And they went into the city of Parral. And this was when she was... So this this is, ha- this is happening when she's 28 now, I should mention, not 12. But um, she had these beliefs from, she, from when she was 12. And then later, when she was 28, American forces went into Paral Chihuahua to try and capture Pancho Villa. And she begged the governor to get rid of the soldiers, and he, would, he did nothing. And so she then grabbed a Mexican flag from a nearby school, and she shouted, He buscado ayuda y no me han secundado. Sin embargo... Alguien tiene que hacer algo, in English now. I have sought help, and they have not supported me. However, someone has to do something. And she gathered a group of women and school children, and they fought to get rid of the soldiers, the United States forces. Yeah. This was in 1916. And uh, so with sticks, weapons, rocks, they forced Commander Frank Tompkins and his troops to leave Paran while yelling, Viva Mexico, Viva Villa. Wow. I never heard of this. Me neither. Me neither. And there are some, there is some uh, discrepancies. Like some of the school children say they were the ones who started, They and uh, men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should specify. So I don't know what the true accounts were because there's like witnesses backing both. Mm-hmm. Um, so one version says she was the one who riled people up. She was riling people up to do this. But some people say school children started first. Mm. So I'm going to take her side. <laughs> it could be. And and also, why the hell is the United States not minding their own business? Um, I mean, on brand, but a lot of still. <laughs> yeah, on brand. <laughs> Uh, and that was just a few of, of the soldaderas. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until very recently that these women are, are they're now starting to receive a little recognition for their efforts. Not all of them were given veteran status, even back in like 1962 when it was given to um, someone I mentioned earlier. I already forgot. Yeah. But um, yeah, so still not all women were 
given veteran status, they are described as just like a decorative backdrop in the revolution. They were like subordinate women who were at home while men fought or they were forced to follow men into battle. Like, and, and, and those are just, if they are covered in history, that is how they're covered. Which is such bullshit. Yeah. Because I also know even the women who stayed behind in like whatever their 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 family's property or in the town and whose husbands went to fight, they still had to band together on some occasions to to prevent women in their town from being taken and stuff. So even if they weren't directly involved exactly. in the war, they still had to like sometimes uh you know pick up arms against uh soldiers because they would loot the homes and steal food yeah. and do all this stuff so to say that they all oh, like they just stayed home it's like yeah to say that they just stayed home is such bullshit yeah even though they were granted citizenship after the war they were still i mean even today as we covered last mm-hmm. episode women are not machismo you know women are not respected women are so yeah of course they're gonna discredit their efforts in the revolution um but the revolution wouldn't have happened without these women Mm -hmm. nope a mexican writer her name is elena and i don't know how to pronounce her last name poniato it's p-o-i-p-o-n-i-a-t-o-w-s-k-a you're asking the wrong person Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that is her name. She's the author of a book called Las Soldaderas, The Women Soldiers. And in her book, she states, Without them, there was no Mexican Revolution. They kept the land alive and fertile. And yes, she is right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those are my my notes on Las Soldaderas. That is amazing. And I, it's, it's crazy how these women continue to be silenced like their efforts continue to be like yeah. forgotten and it's insane yeah just like even i was listening to this one podcast called sorry i don't know why i make that noise all the time uh when i'm trying to think it's called the history chicks mm-hmm. and they talk about historic women and when they, they go over Harriet Tubman and like what we learned about Harriet Tubman is like not even half of what she did. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And every time like Harriet Tubman also comes to like conversation, I always think about those Hollywood directors who wanted to cast Julia Roberts as her. And they oh were like, God. who's going to notice? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, who who's not going to notice? Like. Excuse me, unless you're, like, legally blind, you're going to see, so- like, a white person playing a black woman. Like, stop. They were she was, They were probably going to have her have her do blackface. Or or even then, maybe just, this is just have her, like, there, you know, without anything. You're like, but that's a white woman. And... Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be posting pictures of Las Soldaderas so you can see. They were not these cute sex objects they were women fighting in a war keeping the war going Mm -hmm. so yeah i'll be sharing pictures of them and i oh you know i'll also post pictures of like the saint patrick's battalion as well and yeah and again if you want more information on them the book las soldaderas by um the author whose name i can't pronounce i'll put it in the show notes it's from like the 1990s but it is in english 
Um, it's probably like the most the book with like the most information on them. I haven't read it, but I think I'm gonna get it. I I need to get it. This needs to be added to my collection. Same, yeah. Next next week, I think I want to. And I don't remember if I told you before, MJ, but I do want to cover. I don't know. Have you heard about El Mozote? No. Okay. So, well, how much do you know about the the civil war in El Salvador? Not much, to be honest. Okay. The most I know when it comes to world history is American history. I'm still learning when it comes to Mexico. That's why, like, a lot of the times when we go over Mexico, I'm like, what? That happened? And... Well, yeah, like this. Like this. Like, so anything outside of the United States, I'm not very savvy of it at all. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So, next week, I will be covering... And specifically El Mozote, which is this horrible tragedy. Oh, not even I tragedy. Cannot wait. Um, what do you call it? Genocide? Murder? I don't know. A lot of people were murdered um by the Salvadoran massacre. government. Massacre. Yes, massacre. Um, but I'm gonna be covering the woman who like basically brought all that to light and to seek justice for the victims of El Mozote. And then after this month, we'll go back to our spooky stories um, in case you're like, stop, stop telling us about depressing history things and go back to depressing spooky stories. <laughs> depressing spooky stories. But at the same time, we told you guys, imas. Yeah. <laughs> A spooky tells. And this this falls under imas. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if um, that is my recommendation for this episode, that book, Las Soldaderas, the women, or I don't remember what the title is in English, but yeah. I love that. Uh, do you have one or sh- shall we end this? <laughs> uh, wh- when it comes to, uh, well, I have a book, but it's a um, regular spooky recommendation. Hold on. And it's called, What the Hell Did I Just Read? A Novel of Cosmic Horror. Oh, that sounds cool. Okay. That is my recommendation for the week. It's another book. I'm sorry, you guys. That's, that's literally all I'm going to recommend you is books. <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Stay spooky and we will catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for our spookies supporting us on Patreon. Winston, Modesto, Cynthia, Perla, Jesenia, Kristen, Dalia, Mariela, Rene, Yamaris, Iris, Ghost Train, and Madtown Charity. A Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, edited and produced by Christina. If you're looking for extra ways to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Tales, And you can also check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and more. Go to spookytales.com slash support. You can also check out spookytales.com slash store for some Spooky Tales merch like Stay a Spooky Beanies, No Mamas sweatshirts and hoodies, and a Spooky Tale logo t-shirts. But of course you have our eternal gratitude for just listening. Stay a Spooky!